I'm Fraser Med with the Corn. I'm Roisin Caird. And I'm Johnny Rhodes. And welcome to True Scotsman, the history and current affairs podcast where we delve into a variety of topics and dispel your illusions. We have fun making them and hope you have fun listening to them. Welcome, guys, on this, your safari through the history of Scotland's flower and fauna. Well, not so much flowers, because I don't know anything about flowers, so I've kind of hyped you up for something that I cannot deliver. Do not ask me about flowers. They are bad. Oh, come on, fauna. come on, Johnny. People will believe in you talking about flowers now, and they're going to be disappointed. I can talk about a specific flower, like not a species, but a flower in the room, and describe it to you all. But other than that, we have to stick with the beasts. Is it a Scottish flower? Um, no, it's not even technically a real flower. It's made of wax. But well, I don't want to know. I know. It's mm. so much fraud in the first few seconds of this podcast. It's really, how wouldn't anyone trust us to even bother to talk about animals? We I mean, Johnny, I'm sure, you, I'm sure you have some, like, you know, great anecdote about, like, you know, uh, wax flowers and where they came from and how the British used them to destroy the Brazilian industry or something. No? <laughs> Uh, no, I can't wax lyrical about wax flowers. It's the one. Not in this instance. It's my Achilles heel. It's your one weakness. Yeah, that and puns. But anyway, so guys, we are going to be having a nice little virtual safari through the backwoods of Scotland today. Uh, we're going to cover a lot of ground because the topic of animals is, surprisingly, despite what all my school teachers told me, quite broad. There's more animals than five. So we've got to kind of delve into that. How would you get yeah. to describe your knowledge of like animals in Scotland? Like, would you say you could name more than 10? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, do we count things like dogs? Because there's dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Chihuahua. Pug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's reindeer. I've yep. used to see the reindeer. Uh, there used to be wolves. There used to be bears. Oh, big big cats of some description. Mm. Large large cats, wild cats. Uh, salmon. There's salmon yep. here. Uh, sheep. Sheep. And Loads of sheep. Often sheep. often missed. Uh, the hairy coos, the Highland co cows. That's right. Mm. With uh, the Justin well, Bieber fringe. How about uh, on the topic of beavers? Uh, beavers. They were, they were those were reintroduced. Yep. On the topic of Canadian animals, beavers. That's right. Otters? Mm -hmm. Otters, yeah, yeah. So yeah, great. It sounds like we all have a basic working knowledge of Scottish animals. You're not just sitting there like, you know, twiddling your thumbs. That is excellent because... I'm we... twiddling something else. Oh, Fraser, I'm so oh, glad I can only see your face. You might want to edit that out. Um, <laughs> anyway. I, I, I don't know. I'll leave that up to you. Yeah. So <laughs> the interesting thing is that Normally, when you talk about wild animals in Scotland and their interactions with people, we talk about their economic roles, you know, using sheep for the wool industry, etc. And most people don't really see Scotland as a place with wildlife. I mean, even some of the animals we name there, like the hairy coo and the sheep, are very much domestic species. Scotland isn't kind of seen as an animal wilderness by a lot of people. I mean, if I said to you, you know, oh, there was an incident involving a wild animal, you'd be thinking I'd be talking about Sam the seagull, the seagull that in Aberdeen went into a shop, stole a packet of Doritos, and would repeatedly do this for ages, just stealing a bag of Doritos a day. That's exactly what I would think you meant. <laughs> that's, like, yeah. yep, that's... Animals gone wild. And you I want to know something spooky? Aberdeen has had two crisp-stealing seagulls in the space of 10 years. Different seagulls mm. going into different stores stealing crisps in specifically Aberdeen. I don't that, even that... know what the statistics on that is, but they're doing it. Very like I mean, in, in Aberdeen, it, I don't know, it just seems quite high. Like, it seems like something that would happen there. Yep. <laughs> well, if you think about it, Sam the Seagull, no, he was very much the Johnny Smeaton of seagulls. <laughs> I'm going to go on record and say something really controversial. All Aberdeen seagulls are thieves and liars. And I'm going to stand by that. 
<laughs> so the Scottish wildlife. So yeah, nowadays we don't really see Scotland as having a huge amount of wildlife, or we see it as very quite tame and reserved, like little baby puffins and all that cute mm. stuff. But the truth is that, you know, historically, we had one of the most wild and diverse and really quite interesting biospheres of, like, any nation in, in Europe. There was a time, if you go back far enough, where we had walruses eating oysters here, where even remains of polar bears have been found in the far north, where lemmings and minks and wolves and bears all roamed the country. Now, if we go back really far, of course, we can even start talking about dinosaurs. So we do have to kind of put in place a sort of stopgap. So let's just say, let's call it, let's say 2,000 years ago is where we're going to start our journey. 2,000 years ago, birth of the common era, uh, someone important was born around that time, I forget his name, some guy somewhere, and it really, it really had an impact. Anyway, if you were in Scotland 2,000 years ago, you would be in a country that was predominantly forest. When we think of Scotland today, we don't think of massive forests. We tend to more think of hills colored in heather or lakes. Forests aren't necessarily the first thing that pops up into your mind. And for years, basically, we've been waging a war against our own forest. It was almost entirely covered in forests, Scotland was. Uh, but nowadays, it's been massively cut back. And there is attempts to bring it back, which we'll get into later on. But because it had a different environment, we had very different creatures. So we had, famously, we had wolves. We had bears. There's even references in Roman writings to Scottish bears being taken to Rome for gladiatorial battles. Um, you know, we had lynx and we had all these other sort of large predators that just aren't around in Scotland. Today, our biggest predator is the chihuahua. It's, it's not really a massive thing. Like, we think about predatory Scottish animals. Oh, Johnny, um, actually, actually, the biggest the biggest predator in Scotland is the Scottish Conservative Party. Oh. What? Oh. Came just out of left field there. It's just a nice chat about animals, guys. Just a nice chat about furry, cuddly beasts. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, the, the biggest, the, the, the biggest uh, predator in Scotland is uh, actually people, Johnny. So, um... It's the Welsh, isn't it? <laughs> so basically, guys, today we don't really have a huge basis of like, predatory animals taking down red deer. You know, we're not... It's maybe the grey squirrel. Yeah. Grey squirrels really just tag-teaming it on red squirrels. It's vicious. Mm. Nowadays, whilst that's not true, 2,000 years ago, we did have a very diverse biosphere. And mm. the question then is, what happened? Why are there not bears in Scotland anymore? Why are there not wolves? Why are there not beavers? Question mark. What happened? And as often is the case, whenever you're talking about animals disappearing, people happened. So do you guys know anything about like the disappearance of some of our native species? Uh, wolves were hunted to extinction in the 19th century, or is it earlier than that even, actually? 17th, 18th, rather? Well, there's, yeah, you kind of touched on it. There's a lot of debate over whether or not all the wolves were killed. The most common number you see banded about 1680. People go, oh, 1680, okay. the last wolf was killed. But then you have some people claiming it as late as 1888. That was just two mm. years before I was born. That is surprisingly recent. So <laughs> this, yeah, so we actually don't know for sure when we shot the last wolf. All we do know is we shot the last wolf. We're pretty confident yeah. about that. All I was going to say is, like, I don't know about Scotland specifically, but I do know that in general, there is a pretty clear line that archaeologists or whoever is it, you know, researches this stuff. You have a landmass. Uh, no matter where it is in the world, and there's loads and loads of animals and flowers and plants there, and then humans arrive, and then a hundred years later, there's 20% less diversity, at least. Mm. Um, that's just really standard. Yeah, humans are just kind of a very destructive species in how we uh, interact with nature. It kind of mm. sucks. Uh, usually the big animals as well, like pretty much all the big mammals get wiped out the second the human beings discover a piece of land. Uh, it's I their assume. fault, Rasheen. If they didn't want to die out, it couldn't have been so tasty. Mm. And big. It's a, yeah, it's a shame because some of them sound really interesting. Like there was a massive, there was a mega deer, I think, in Scotland. Mm -hmm. There used to be a deer, but like super large. And that sounds yeah. like absolutely fascinating. Can you imagine it? Because deer are already some 
pretty big animals, I think. But this would be like be bigger than an elk, so it'd be like just incredible. Yeah, it's, like there's a reason that most of the extinct animals that you read about today are mm. basically like huge versions of animals that we have now, like giant ostriches or huge deer or um you know in australia they have they had like giant wallabies and things like that like just yeah big animals and then humans turn up and then they all die um yeah yeah i, didn't, I thought i had more to say there but i don't but you you're exactly right that is what happened so over the years as humans spread from scotland uh, more and more creatures were killed off. I think sort of the first big casualty you could say was the bears. And that kind of fits Rasheen's model of the bigger animals being killed off first. Bears are big, they're scary, and so Scottish people naturally hunted them. And, you know, it was also, of course, a warrior thing. You know, everyone wants to be the guy who killed the big bear. Um, you know, bears don't have a very positive reputation until Brave came along. Bears were linked in sort of pagan ideology and symbolism of so many different things that whilst it is sad that they were sort of killed off it was kind of expected um yeah i'm, I'm also not really sure that brave did much for the reputation of bears like nothing in that film was like bears are good actually <laughs> like yeah so when, when about is brave from again i, I mean because if i'm not if i'm not mistaken it was actually found footage wasn't it of course it's the noble like, story of a bear trying to reclaim its home from humans. That's how I saw it. Johnny, what see. film did you watch? I watch all films from the villain's perspective. I do not... That's, that's not, the, that's not the, the plot of Brave. Like, it's, it's not even, even the villain, the if you ask me. Perspective, that's not the plot of Brave. The evil, the evil bear's trying to kill the people. Now, I'm sure he has <laughs> some complex... I'm pretty sure it's an evil witch that's trying to turn people into bears, isn't it? Was the yeah. witch evil or was the witch just confused? Like, that's fine. If you want to interpret it that way, that's fine. But there's no bear trying to kill people. Oh, wait, no, there is. There is, actually. You're right. There is a big bad people there. <laughs> <laughs> that's at the end. And he's got a ridiculous made-up name, like Morgadu or something. Like, they've clearly just thrown some Scrabble pieces at the wall and gone, boom, that's the villain's name. It means fierce bear warrior. <laughs> Rather large bear approaching us. I might look that up actually, but keep talking. So yeah, the bears went. Um, you know, the interesting thing is, as I mentioned, bears were linked to a lot of the early pagan religions and stuff that were present in Scotland. Because when we look at the Scotland that had all these creatures, it is a different Scotland to what we have today. Because people base their environment and their interactions with nature, and because their spirituality and their religion was tied to that, they based that off of the creatures they encountered as well. That's why we get carvings of bears and all these other symbols. Now, I always found it weird that when they were cowering from a bear lurking outside, they were building a little homage to it inside. It's like, when that bear is gone, we'll pray to a symbol representing it for protection from the bear. That works, yes. <laughs> so you know, we are dealing with a very like different culture with different fears and worries linked in to the creatures around them and how they saw nature would have been very different from how we see it. That's, of course, worldwide. But because Scotland has so radically changed in our flower and fauna, it's particularly clear here. So the bears went. And then does anyone know what sort of the next big name animal would be to go? Wolf. Tigers. Tigers. No, Fraser, the tiger. Unicorns. Unicorns. Yeah, yep, unicorns. They were all left off the arcs. That was a little earlier than the bears. But basically, the next animal that wasn't really allowed to continue to exist in Scotland was um, basically, we believe, wild boar, about in sort of middle, middle ages, began to die out. And then oh, yeah, I was, was going to mention this, actually. The Caledonian boar, that was a myth in Greece, I believe, where uh, Achilles went off to... Was that Achilles or...? Theseus, I don't know, somebody, some Greek hero went off to fight the Caledonian boar. No, you, you are right, Fraser, that, that's exactly, I think it was, um, yeah, it was apparently sent by Artemis. Uh, its mm. name is spelt differently from Caledonia, and it's mm. apparently named after, like, a city in western Greece. So it's, it's sadly not a Scottish boar. But, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just going to flat out lie, even though I know it's not true and say we're named after that. You hear Caledonia, it's a reference to an obscure Greek myth about a pig. 
That's it. The place that I was staying down in the borders is called Swinton, like tiny little village. And uh, Swinton is actually uh, like the two, the word swine town put together because there used to be <laughs> loads and loads of wild boars there uh, until they killed them all. They killed them all off. And that's why if you go around Swine Town or Swinton, um, there's uh, loads of boar motifs. Like they've got a meerkat cross in the middle of the village green and it's got like uh, carvings of boars on it, well boars. It's also on their village crest as well. So Ooh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a place that had boars and they were all Ooh. killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that must have been a good barbecue. That was a very fun barbecue. The one um, vegetarian in the village just being like, you'll regret this, all of you. <laughs> So it'll really make us look bad in 500 years. It's just, just sitting there, like kind of like you know, spinning flour and water into his mouth. You know, <laughs> I don't know what I, I don't know what vegetarians eat. <laughs> just raw flour and water. <laughs> well, I mean, especially back in those days as well. Restaurant is very brutal. <laughs> like back Everyone's then, you didn't like... have falafel or um, no, that's it. Those vegetarians just eat falafel and flour and water. That's that's all I know. Yeah, everyone's just like, there's so much grain. Why don't you just eat the grain? <laughs> That's for whiskey. Stop wasting the grain. <laughs> Eating it. <clears throat> uh, that basically brings us up to today, where most of the big scary animals have been killed off, but we have still been left with a really beautiful legacy of animals today in Scotland. We have some amazing creatures. Now, I want us to talk about some of the more unique or unusual creatures that are found in Scotland. So, do either of you know, like, a rather odd creature that you might find lurking in the bushes near Stirling? A haggis. Ooh. A haggis. Nah, you, you kind of got me. Uh, grouse? Are they, no, yeah, are they... no, that's a great one, yeah. Uh, grouse, those weird sort of birds that rich people like to shoot at. Uh, that's quite a famous, almost Scottish symbol. I mean, I'm basing that entirely off of the fact there's an alcohol named after it, which is probably prejudice. Uh, but yeah, other sort of weirder creatures. One of uh, my strong memories is of going up to the Highlands and seeing signs talking about basking sharks. Do you guys know what a basking shark is? A Carol Baskin? No, it's one no of I, don't, I don't know what a basking shark is. So, don't get worried if, for some reason, you're the one person who likes to go swimming in Scotland, in the wild. Basking sharks are not dangerous. They only eat plankton. They're one of, this is a really weird and completely useless fact, one of only three plankton-eating sharks in the world. Yeah. Wow. How's that for a claim Whoa. of fame? Wow, yeah, wow. Someone had to check that fact and research it and devote a large proportion of their life to that fact. Woo! Anyway, so the basking shark is a massive fish. It's one of the largest fish. And it comes into Scottish waters in the summertime. That's when you can sort of spot them. You can even do sort of scuba dives in Scotland where you can go up to them and see them and wave at them and they'll just ignore you because you're just a weird thing off to the peripheral vision. They are really weird looking because they have these massive open mouths that just swallow in all the plankton and krill that come by and they go right around the coast. So yeah, they're a really unique creature. Occasionally, uh, a dead one will wash up on the beach. And because they look so weird, uh, especially back in the days in the Middle Ages, they would assume they were sea monsters. They'd be like- That's like the Bruno dragon. You guys know about the Bruno dragon? No, tell us about the Bruno dragon. Uh, if you, so the Bruno dragon, um, story about it, where basically it was this dragon that came and terrorized all the villagers. Yeah, it was like killing people and eating people and eating the maidens and stuff. And then um, someone tricked the dragon by filling a cow with lime, not, not the fruit, like the stone. Uh, and I think that, I think that when lime comes into contact with water, it maybe expands or explodes or something like that. But they filled the cow with it and the dragon ate it and then it got really thirsty. So it drank loads of water and the dragon exploded. Um, but unlike other big legends, um, the Czech people in Brno have the dragon. Uh, you can go and see it. And uh, if you see the dragon, you will probably notice that it looks quite a lot like a crocodile. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> what they reckon happened is uh, somehow or another a crocodile got onto mainland Europe, like maybe it was on, you know, being transported on a boat or something like that. It managed to make it all the way up to Brno. Of course, in Brno, they've not, like, what is this? It's obviously a dragon. 
Uh, and yeah, quite quite similar to as you were saying about sea monsters. Uh, yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, no, that's the great thing is that because people didn't see these creatures, uh, European history is just filled with people freaking out over seeing things that we now think are normal. Like there's the famous in France, the Beast of Gravaden, which was uh, a werewolf, they said back in the day. But now some people think it might be a hyena or a lion or a wolf or an inbred species like a liger, which, you know, just completely throws everything into weirdness. So, yeah, there's loads of stories like that. But um, in Scotland today, thankfully, we don't have crocodiles roaming around. What we do have is the red deer, which is actually far more problematic. Do you guys know why red deer are assholes? No. Uh, do they eat people's like, you know, tax return forms while they're on the way to HMRC so that like, they have to get audited? No, that is something they do, but that's not the main reason they're an issue. I mentioned all those forests that used to be all over Scotland covering us like some rich, bushy chest hair. Well, all the attempts to try and bring that back are being hurt by the fact that deer in Scotland, like the red deer, is Britain's largest land mammal, I believe, um, would eat the baby trees and stop them growing. And so that's caused all sorts of ecological problems because humans killing all these other animals really messed up our ecosystem. There was a system in place for managing you know, huge amounts of deer. And when we killed all the things that killed the deer, they were just kind of like, well, I guess we run this now and just ate their way through the country. It's basically- yeah, it's definitely the deer who's the asshole in this situation. Yeah, of course. The deer worked with the humans. The deer were paying them for years to kill the wolves and the bears. It was a joint operation. It's I'm hearing that I should be eating more deer. I'm thinking venison, you know, like we should get more and more venison uh, all the time. Like, you know, the, you know, on the marketplaces, they have these venison burger stands. Mm-hmm. They should really popularize those. But I don't know if that would work, actually, because there's actually more cows alive than there are people. So it might just lead to more deer, you know. <laughs> we can discuss that. But um, so, yeah, red deer are very symbolic of Scotland. They're tied in with a lot of our legends as well. I'm not sure if you guys had this, but my gran, uh, and you have to say it like that. You can't say my grandmother. You have to say my gran. Like you're on X Factor and you're about to tell a sad story. Um, my gran used to tell me to look out for the white deer. And she always said it was good luck. And like to see a white stag would bring you fortune or whatever. I read later on it was a premonition of death. So I think my grandma was just you know, trolling me, but whatever. <laughs> They're a crucial part of, I think, the image of Scotland, the deer, but they are hurting the environment, which is why a lot of people want to see some of our sort of older species reintroduced, like, uh, for example, wolves. Now, what do you guys think about the idea of bringing wolves back to Scotland? Uh, I agree with it, but only if, uh, but we have to be very, very careful about it. Like, that, you know, if you go walking around a hill, the last thing you want is for a massive dog to come up and like, eat you. That's it, not what he'd want to do. But I do believe there's not been any recorded wolf attacks in Europe for, like, you know, even in the places that do have wolves for, like, you know, a very long time, which maybe people are just too embarrassed that they've been attacked by wolves. So I think it's because wolves are scared of humans. Yeah, I think you would brag if you were attacked by a wolf and lived. Like, you'd come away from it. It's like, how'd you get that wound? You're not going to go, oh, it got flipping rabbit leapt out at me. It was terrifying. I fell. You'd be dead. Have you seen Monty Python? Those things can they can really bite you. Yeah, but also like I know human beings love to create this fantasy that animals are like a legitimate threat to us in big groups. Like we love to like create these narratives. You know, I mean, we we see it all throughout like the different stories that we tell in different fairy tales and things, where it's like or like different myths where it's like one particular animal, like a big like tiger or something, is causing trouble for everyone. No, like most animals, it, there's a very clear hierarchy and human beings are at the top of it pretty much all the time. You know, it's like how we freak mm. out so much about sharks, but the vast majority of sharks pose literally no threat to humans. Like mm. we are a much bigger threat to animals than any like one group of animals ever is to us. So yeah, I feel like with wolves, it's like if we, I guess the point that I'm making is that if there was like big problems with wolf attacks in, you know, Europe, people would definitely talk about it. Um, my my work with the uh, introducing wolves to Scotland, like I'm fine with that. I just sort of wonder what happens in 100 years when we have too many wolves 
and we're like, oh, well, now we have to introduce something to kill all the wolves because uh, we can't just leave stuff alone. Yeah. That's my No, no, no. Exactly. Well, it's, it's like there is an idea about this. So, the, so environments are supposed to reach stasis. So the idea is that, um, so the red deer, those are overpopulating because they haven't got any predators and they have an ample amount of food. Whereas if they had a predator, then their numbers would dwindle a bit. Uh, and the wolf numbers would explode upwards because they've got so much food. But then gradually, they'd kind of run out of having as plentiful food because the deer would get smarter and they'd get quicker and they'd get faster because the wolves would eat the slower, weaker ones first because that, those are just the easier ones to catch. So the deer would get stronger uh, and they'd be able to outpace the wolves more often. So some of the wolves would die off because they haven't got the food. And basically, yeah, it reaches a kind of equilibrium and stasis. I mean, I think Roisin was definitely right when she was going, when she was talking about, um, you know, animals not really forming a risk. Like the lynx, which is just a large, beautiful cat. Um, just imagine a regular cat but on like several steroids. Um, you know, that cat, there's never, there's, near to no recorded attacks of a lynx on a human being they're so rare because they're so shy and they're not even that big and scary as i said they are a large cat but you know you could probably still boot it in the face if you wanted to uh, not encouraging that but you know just keep that in mind if a lynx attacks you the animals themselves yet yeah, aren't really the big issue i feel with the animal introduction it's people's worries about livestock being eaten, about tourism being affected, because, you know, Fraser, you said it, who wants to go for a hike in a mountain and there's the risk that a wolf might eat you, you know? And we do have this huge lexicon in our back of our heads from childhood of the big bad wolf that would just naturally, even if you show people the statistics, discourage them from going into the wilderness. So yeah, in regards to wolf reintroduction, the main plans they seem to put forward involve fencing. Like essentially building a massive fence around an area and essentially having the wolves and the deer hunger games within that fence. <laughs> now, yep. they have done similar things and they've not really worked out. Turns out wolves need a large amount of area to go around in and inbreeding occurs and all sorts of other issues like they've done this in finland and poland mm. you know it, it's the same you know it's this it's not the same as a wolf living wild and free if you've got a fence it's gonna limit them and they're just not that kind of creature they travel mm. uh, wolves are actually built biologically to travel long distances they're not very fast but they do have stamina mm. I just looked up the scottish links and yeah you're right it's an absolutely gorgeous animal it's a slightly larger cat with like, you know, very fierce teeth. I love how its name in Latin is Lynx Lynx. You know, mm. I, I just love that. So I just love that sort of animal. It's kind of like how, you know, crows are Corvin Corvinus, that sort of thing. You know, it's, it's just great. It's like just thinking about something called Tom Thompson. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I was also going to say like on the, on the thing of like uh, keeping the wolves in cages, like, okay, that's fine. But we've all seen Jurassic Park, you know? Mm. All it takes is one guy. One troublemaker. Life just finds a way. And Life that's just... finds a way. Wait, so we're cloning them from Amber now? Is that how we're going to do it? I love that image of like scientists in a lab in like Glasgow or Dundee, like trying to clone a wolf and just conservationists being like, wolves are still very prevalent. We can just bring some. <laughs> but no, we're doing this as the movie instructed. <laughs> Yeah, your scientists were so concerned over whether or not they could, they didn't think about whether they really had to, because they honestly didn't. <laughs> Guys, we did it. We bred the wolf velociraptor hybrid the world needed. That's not what we asked for. <laughs> Just think how good uh, this would be for the car industry. <laughs> have you seen some of those recent projections, by the way? Just a quick side note. Have you seen some of those recent projections of what the dinosaurs looked like? Oh yes, and it and it turns out they're really hairy and like yeah, like bizarre. Like, yeah, nobody was expecting that. It's yeah, and I don't know if we'll ever recover from things like Jurassic Park, and we're going to be thinking of them as being like proper reptiles for ages. When in reality, they're kind of just like you know big aggressive chickens. If you are a Velociraptor listening and you have issues with how you are represented <laughs> in Kaufman culture, please do contact us and the Velociraptor Representation Society so that we can get feathered velociraptors in movies as God made them. <laughs> bravo, bravo. So, yeah, 
basically that's a whole controversy, but there has been really successful reintroduction programs. Uh, I think the most famous, I'm being very hesitant to say that, would be beavers. Have you guys heard of the mm -hmm. beavers? Yeah, they've been doing lots of that around the Tay River, uh, which is a really impressive thing because the Tay is the biggest, well, it's the biggest river network in the UK for sure. It's there's, there's more water goes through the Tay network than exists in all of England and Wales. It's it's a big thing. So like, there's so much water that could be rerouted by beavers. So it was a major program. Mm. Uh, I only heard about it when it was first happening. I don't know what the actual results have been like. So I'm interested to hear about that. Well, I am happy to announce they've been massively successful. Um, the beavers haven't really bred into huge, ridiculous numbers. They've not had a catastrophic impact on the local environment. The Scottish government said in 2016 that the beavers are there to stay. That's great because beavers do a lot for biodiversity. Beavers are nature's engineers. And so, you know, they've really been a sort of interesting introduction or a, or a sign that you can introduce these mammals after hundreds of years of being away. Because we killed all the beavers. We, we hunted them for their scent glands, which we turned into perfume. Yep, that was one of the reasons we killed them. Oof, that's a pretty weird one. Yeah. No, nowadays, they, nowadays they use fish guts for it, I believe, right? As a exactly. Fish glass, yeah. That's far more reasonable. So, so, much more dignified, so much more dignified and civil. Yeah. I mean, who hasn't rubbed a haddock on them before a date? It's just what we all do. But to tarnish the beaver, that was, that was a crime. So beavers are back, which is awesome. There's been a lot of discussion about reintroducing lynx because they aren't that scary or threatening. Uh, and again, they could help because they eat small deer, etc., in reducing the mm -hmm. deer population. There's been a lot of talk about wolves. And apparently, a quarter of the British public support reintroducing the bear to Great Britain. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Which is surprising. Like, first of all, who ordered this survey? Who was thinking, I wonder, I wonder how many people think we should reintroduce bears? Yeah, why not? Why not? There's nothing else to ask them. Let's, everyone's talking about Brexit. Let's ask them what their thoughts on bears are. In I have heard this idea. Like, sorry, I was just going to say, if you, if you did that survey and then like 97% of people were like, yeah, I love bears, it would give a lot of, you know, for upcoming elections, it would give a lot of parties a thing to put in their manifesto. And then people would be like, I'm going to vote for the Lib Dems because they're going to reintroduce bears. You know, there's, there's reasons. <laughs> I promise on day one of a Conservative government that a minister for bears will be appointed to look into the reintroduction. <laughs> the whole 50% of my cabinet will be bears. <laughs> Then again, I think the, the SNP would be against it because they're signed, the party signs a fish and bears and fish famously don't get on, so... No, I they, mean, they you know, have a rivalry. It was over, I think, sports, I believe. Sport rivalry. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've heard that. You know, yeah. The bears versus the haddock is, is well attested to it. <laughs> well, well, we'll look into that when we have more time. But basically, um, yeah, so there's these big reintroduction efforts. Success, wild boar have been, re have been successfully reintroduced down in England. Mm. Um, so there has been a lot of successes. And speaking of introducing things, well, it's time for me to introduce some of the weirder things that have turned up in Scotland. Because whilst we now have all these very deliberately planned and clever ways of returning Scotland's natural wildlife to the zen-like state it was in 2,000 years ago, there has also been the alternative side of things, which is people being people and doing random weird stuff. So a very famous example of that is the wallabies. Now, I know you guys know about the wallabies. I've been talking a lot. What do you guys know about the wallabies? Oh, all I know is that uh, there's an island in the middle of the of Loch Lomond and there are wallabies on it and you can go over to the island and see the wallabies. Yeah. That's all I know. I don't know why they're there. I don't know who took them. I don't know. You don't know which random person just suddenly introduced wallabies. Oh, no. uh, basically, uh, the story is like so many British stories of a rich aristocrat doing whatever they want because they're a rich aristocrat. Uh, so what happened was, for no discernible reason, a very wealthy and powerful aristocrat um, 
decided that she was going to introduce wallabies onto this random island um, in Loch Lomond. When she was asked why she did it, she said, for Scotland, which in Scotland is all the answer you need. You know, you do anything, you add for Scotland at the end of it, that's it. You're legally untouchable. It's like diplomatic immunity. So she said, yep, I, I introduced them for Scotland. And this was over, I believe, 60 years ago. And they're still there in a breeding, thriving little colony on this island. They're been there living quite happily. These wallabies, which have no reason to be there, surprising people and confusing tourists. Now, because you can go there, there's unfortunately emerged a weird thing of people going to the island and kicking the shit out of the wallabies. Now, I don't know why they're doing that. Why? Yeah. <laughs> what, would, what would possess you? Horrible thing. Like, who looks at an island of random wallabies on the opposite side of the planet where they're meant to be and goes, yes, time for revenge. And then just like goes to the island and beats one up. So um, yeah, there has unfortunately been a couple of horrible stories, but most of the wallabies seem to be thriving successfully and just, you know, living their little lives on this random island. Um, another thing is, Roisin mentioned, is the reindeer being reintroduced. They were reintroduced yeah. back in the 1950s. Now, do you know who reintroduced them, Roshi? Uh, some guy. Yep, it was some guy. Uh, it was the guy, guy. I, I don't remember his name. I just remember that he was in Scotland and he was looking around at all the, all the flora in Scotland and he was like, hey, this is exact, like literally exactly what reindeers eat. Where, where are the reindeer? And everyone was like, there isn't any reindeer here. And he was like, well, there should be. And he brought a bunch over. You've got to just love how like easy it was to do things like that a few years ago. Like you could just go, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm going to just let loose a bunch of zebras in the Welsh countryside, and nobody would stop you. It was just sure, your lordship, or sure, sir. Now you're right. He did it for a much better reason, in that it made sense to kind of have reindeer there, and it is the only free-roaming reindeer herd in the British Isles, and they're happy and healthy and have been for more than 50 years. He was um, a Swedish Sami man. So he was from the sort of native community uh, of Northern Ooh. Sweden. And I just find that such a, an amazing connection. It was a really great gift that Scotland got, this wonderful little reindeer herd just roaming around up there. I've known many people, we've seen one of them, who've gone up and seen them and been like, hello. Now, there are other creatures that have ended up weirdly in Scotland. Do you guys know what a capybara is? Uh, I've heard of it. Is it a bird? Or it's a tiny... It's either a bird or a tiny yeah. rodent. It's, yeah. a, it's, like a, it's a sort of bird, isn't it? Isn't it one of those Australian birds that are also kind of like a dinosaur? Now, no, the capybara is actually the world's largest rodent. Oh, right, so ignore me. Well, second largest after Ted Cruz. Basically, it's <laughs> a large, massive guinea pig is the best way to describe it. And it lives in South America. Now, it grows a lot of really nice hair. So fur traders back in the day were like, oh, this is great. This thing's covered in money. Let's get some of them over here in Britain and let's do horrible things to them. And when laws were passed that basically said, guys, that's not cool. We're starting to realize that we're the bad guys in the story. They were just released. And for years, capybara would just pop up in random places, these giant guinea pigs who would just dominate the ecosystems because you've got voles and dormice and all these very huffle-puffy, tiny little creatures. And then you've just got this massive capybara coming in, eating all the food and making life really hard for them. So um, yeah, eventually they were sort of shot, but there are still rumors they're hanging around today, which brings me to one of my favorite weird animal rumors about Scotland. Um, so what do you guys know about Scottish jaguars? Is, were they a myth or is this, I mean, I, have, I do remember a bit like hearing there's like, you know, not just, beyond just Scottish wildcats. I, had, I do, I've, I've specifically have heard of Scottish jaguars before, but then I've also had people saying that that's just made up. Machine? Nothing. Well, here's the thing. I, I'm going to make a confession. So as a kid, I, I loved animals. I thought it was the reason why I should do it as my first episode. Junior member of, you know, the PCA and all that good stuff. And one, of the, things, yeah, and one of the things I really liked was 
when I heard this rumor that apparently there were big cats, lions, tigers, etc., secretly roaming around the countryside. And the theory goes that, yeah, we've got the Scottish wildcat, which is a much bigger than a regular cat, strong enough to kill a small deer, uh, but sadly dying out mostly due to sort of inbreeding with domestic cats and, you know, loss of habitat and, you know, the usual reasons. But actually, living alongside our own native badass little cat, we have these big cats that were introduced when people were told they couldn't have big cats in their house. Because again, a surprisingly short amount of time ago, it was cool to have a tiger in your bathtub. It was just like, you're allowed, everyone's Mike Tyson right now, we're all allowed just to keep a tiger in our home. And well, laws were passed and changed, and people were like, well, I could pay to have this lion shipped. Or I could just let it out the back door. Now, of course, all this is sort of anecdotal. You know, people saying, oh, big cats were released. But there has been a number of sightings. There has been a number of photographs. There, there has been, it can be safe to say, at least one big cat somewhere in Scotland that shouldn't have been there doing stuff. Are there breeding pairs keeping the legacy going? Should you be worried about a jaguar just killing you on your way to Stirling? No, probably not. But it's one of those sort of like weird, quirky myths or stories with enough truth in it that it does kind of make you go, hmm. And every and this still goes on today. Every once in a while, there will be a sort of news story of a man being attacked by a big cat. Do you, have you guys heard any of those stories? No. The largest sounding would be people who were probably drunk. <laughs> well, for example, a black panther was apparently spotted in Ayrshire um, back in 2018. Like someone said they spotted a black panther and then local wildlife experts were like, this is unlikely to be a black panther because, you know, you're in Ayrshire. <laughs> but there's also been sort of people saying they've been attacked by something or seen a large thing. Uh, you know, they often get called phantom cats. Um, according to the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, there have been 27 reports of exotic cats which escaped from zoos or private collections since 1975. Yeah, so there is at least potentially 27 big cats since 1975 wandering about. In 1980, there was a creature that was dubbed the Puma of the Glen um, because it was captured alive. This was real. This is 100% confirmed. Um, it had been eating livestock and it was a puma. You know, it was a, a mountain lion that had just been wandering around and was eventually moved to the Highland Wildlife Park. And then there's the Beast of Banff, which, by the way, is going to be my rap name. If I ever make the obvious transition into hip hop, <laughs> in the Beast of Banff, I've got to have that name. That is beautiful. Um, Johnny, yeah. really, really don't call yourself the Beast of Banff. I I'll explain after, but like, really don't call yourself that. Thank you. I'll, I'll bear for that good, mind. For, for really good reasons, not just for cringe reasons, for, for, for other reasons. Okay. Oh, you're posting cringe, bro. I have the feeling that my childlike innocence is going to be shattered as soon as this episode is over. <laughs> I'll enjoy, I'll enjoy it whilst it lasts. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, that was the usual. People saw like a three to five foot long big cat. Um, people said they spotted it near their hotel. Uh, giving credence to Fraser's theory that it was a drunk people, it was all around Hogmanay that these reportings were cited. So, you know, give or take. It was, it was after the, the, the big acid trip that everyone had in <laughs> So, you know, the, you've had stories like that for ages. Are there, is there any truth to them? I don't know. There is a growing movement to see more and more creatures that could be potentially threatened reintroduced but you know legislature and the fact there are bigger things going on have all sort of hesitated one of my favorite things was i was on the website of uh, the lynx trust which is the group that wants to reintroduce lynxes and they had specifically tweeted do not worry we have paused all campaigning and legislation during the covid19 crisis and I was like, oh, thank goodness. Mm. You know, I would hate to think that yes. COVID was being held up by pressing links legislation. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that would have really hurt flattening the curve. But yeah. So, yeah, like, I, I don't know how they'd better sleep. I don't know how they'd better sleep or look at themselves in the mirror, you know? It'd just be, 
Yeah. Putting the government under such strain at such an important time. It's an impossible choice, you know, links or fighting the most terrifying pandemic in a hundred years. You know, I, I don't want to be the one in the office in the room where it happens when that decision is made. That is not, that's not my cup of tea. So yeah, basically we're at really one of the most exciting times in the story of Scotland's animals. We started off with them, you know, Scotland being this really wild and rugged place. Humans came along, cleared all the forests, made everything more PG-13 and sanitized it. And now slowly we seem to be correcting it and occasionally doing something weird like dropping a bunch of wallabies in a weird place. I don't know where we're going to go from here, if we'll ever see wolves reintroduced to Scotland, or if we will just keep it with little small projects like some beavers here and some wild boar there. I don't know. Anything is possible. And it's definitely the most likely time for it to happen. There's been campaigns for reintroduction and to preserve Scottish animals since the 60s. Mm. But it's only now when, you know, we have the internet and we can all team up together, all the animal weirdos, that it seems likely that there could be movement there. And we've seen that. So yeah, I'm not sure what's next in the story of our animals, but we've had a pretty up and down one so far. And I think that's symbolized by a news story I came across when researching this podcast that I think kind of sums up Scotland's weird relationship with animals perfectly. It was on March 4th of this year. So at the time of recording, about two months ago, a Scottish sheep farmer was fined £550 for punching a sheep in the face. <laughs> Which is not something that should have to be, like, I'm not even sure if there's a specific law that deals with it. <laughs> I mean, but it's just it's not something that should happen. Hopefully, we're going into a future with a lot less sheep punching and a lot more suspicion oh. about the secret activities of red deer. Johnny, 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 the crime is called battery. Oh. Uh, oh, Cancellation. That needs to stay in. That There's my innocence. In. That's my innocence dead. Like Roisin will Johnny, tell me I think, I think that we should. Uh, I think that we should just edit Fraser out of the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've been thinking. Yeah, I imagined that it was going to happen, but uh, there we are. Here's something uh, I've met. So I, I lived on a farm for a while, right? And shepherds did seem to be far grumpier than you might expect. Like overall, they just seemed kind of a bit cantankerous. You, you'd expect that if somebody's dealing with sheep all the time, they might be quite chill because, yeah, they. It's, it's quite a lot of work. The, there's, like, you know, sheep haven't really got the great, haven't got great brains and they get themselves stuck places all the time. But at the same time, they're doing a job which people literally sort of think about when they're trying to fall asleep. So it's, you'd expect I know, them I, to be well rested. When I imagine shepherds, I definitely imagine like an angry old man who's just like mad about stuff that, you know, you wouldn't expect someone to be mad about. But I feel like every shepherd, regardless of age, has lived through two world wars. Like, <laughs> that's, that's what I feel about shepherds. Like. That's great. It sounds like it would be a bit a lot more Jesus-like, you know, all patient and uh, free of, like, full of virtue and free of sin, that whole, that whole sort of Jesus idea. Was but a now, carpenter. He wasn't a shepherd. Yeah, he wasn't a shepherd. He was the shepherd of the Lord. Wasn't he also the lamb as well? There's a lot of metaphors going on there. He was a lot of things. Like... He was the way and the truth. Right, as long uh... as we can all agree that he's our Lord and Saviour. That's what we need to do. Uh... Let's, just, let's just all be on the same page, guys. Let's just end all the conflict. Just everyone agree on that one fact. And that's it. We're all fine. So... Shall we wrap this up, big boys? I've never Excuse called you that have... Joey, do you have anything else you want to say to the listeners? Nope, I, I've said enough. I have spoken a lot about animals, and now I'm going to contemplate my lack of floral knowledge. I need, I'm going to go read more about plants. All right, okay. Listeners, stay safe. Look after yourselves. Um, no, but wash stay your alert is what they're supposed to do this time. Stay alert. Stay you know, alert. Well, I, I was going to say stay alert, but then I was like, I don't know if that'll still be the message in three weeks. Um, well, good point. <laughs> but you should still be alert anyway. Um, if it's if anything, me. sorry, it's behind me. 
if you if you see a virus coming, you just make yourself really big and you bang some pots together and be as loud as possible and that'll scare it off. Wait, I that's bears. Doing, I, I think people have been doing that on Thursday, actually. So they must have been seeing the virus <laughs> quite often. That's what it's for. And yeah. that's why the curve is flattening. <laughs> it's being right, driven um, away by sound. Yep. Okay. Okay. Bye, Bye. listeners. Stay Bye, listeners. True Scotsman is a Scottish history and culture podcast by Roisin Caird, Fraser Medvedick-Horn and Johnny Rhodes. The music is by Adam Logan. Each Saturday, we release a new episode exploring an aspect of Scottish history that we're interested in and that we want to tell you about. If you enjoyed the show and you'd like to support it, share the podcast around, tell your friends. We're here every week with a new episode for you.